So um, after after the, the strikes that happened in um, in Hollywood, all the award shows are back on. So there's been lots of them, <laughs> lots of them, one after the other. It seems this season, um, seeing all of the um, all of the excitement, it's like who gets to be in that room? Uh, sporting events that are coming, the Super Bowl. You know, you think about having one of those coveted booths where you can like watch the game, have all the food that you want, be there when it's all happening. I know a number of years ago, our family has a massive March Madness college basketball rivalry. <laughs> You'll have to ask later who is leading in that <laughs> in all of the years. However, uh, so, but that's something that we've really enjoyed with, um, with our sons, with our nephews and niece, and our, and our whole family. So, uh, but we happened to be there a couple years ago when we had the first upset of the 16 um, UMBC beating Virginia, like that was super exciting <laughs> to be to be there. Like it's part of history, right? So there are things that we want to be part of. We have this vision of what it might look like to be part of. We also have dreams and goals, things that um, that we're trying to achieve in our lives, and we go after with with everything that we have. That these things that we that we know and that we think are going to bring happiness, fulfillment satisfaction, wholeness, whatever, whatever that might be. Sometimes we get close and realize, well, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be like. I remember a number of years ago, Tom Brady was interviewed after one of many <laughs> Super Bowl wins, and he was like, I just still feel like I'm missing something. But he still like it was feeling like it just wasn't mm -hmm. enough, right? This longing and sometimes we get to those places that we're seeking Amen. that seem like this happily ever after this thing like being there getting there and realizing oh this isn't really what i thought it was going to be like Amen. so have you ever found yourself there maybe you do now a little bit disillusioned or you're still waiting and longing for that thing that you know is going to complete life for you Maybe now. Let's read our passage. We're in Mark 8, 31 to 38. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man... Actually, I just want to <laughs> pause. Uh, I'll give the context first rather than after. So we're in Mark 8, and what has been happening is Jesus has been... The disciples have been following Jesus, and he's doing miracle after miracle. Um, he's, he's multiplied... Um, He's multiplied the loaves and fishes. He's, he's healed, uh, just recently, prior to this, healed a man who was blind. Um, he's, he's with his disciples and teaching, and he says, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, you're Elijah, maybe you're um, uh, a prophet. Who do you say that I am? And this is when Peter shares, Peter had just shared, you are the Messiah. Like, and he, he knows, so he makes that claim. So this is immediately following that conversation. This is in the same conversation, in the same word that we're starting to read. So then Jesus begins to teach them, and he's teaching them a little bit differently. Like he's being super clear and not speaking in parables or other things. So then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed but three days later, he would rise from the dead. Mm -hmm. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, 
Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Some versions say he rebuked him. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. He rebuked Peter, get away from me, Satan. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Oh, passages like this can be challenging to hear, to read, right? Jesus has come and he's like, the kingdom of God is near. Amen. Um, but it was hard for them to accept the idea of a suffering Savior. They knew that okay, this is the Messiah, the Messiah that's coming, and they had all these. Am I echoing? So they had all these perceptions about what that was going to mean. They were going to overthrow Rome. They were finally going to be free from that oppression. So they had these pictures of, of the Messiah coming as the king in their picture and all these things that the Messiah was going to do. And Jesus is suddenly talking about. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be rejected by the chief priests and the scribes and the, like all of that. And, and, and then he's going to be killed. I'm like, what? Like, that's not part of what we were expecting, mm -hmm. even though the Old Testament says that that was going to happen. Yeah. They had evolved to the book, just waiting for this Messiah to come and save them. They had created in their mind what that was going to look like. And what that was going to achieve for them. So this is a turning point in their teaching because Jesus is speaking very clear to them. He connects, he calls himself the son of man, which connects him with Daniel's prophecies as the suffering servant. Again, hard for them to hear. Jesus knew who it was going to be that was going to convict him and have him, um, and have him crucified. And we notice here, like, Jesus not only says, I'm going to be um, rejected, and then I'm going to be killed. He says, and I'm going to rise again. Like, he, it's still part of what he said. And they just, they're like, you can't die. Like, they, they don't even, it's like they didn't even attend to it. It's almost like he didn't even say it, right? Because they're like, no, wait a minute, that's, that's not. Um, so he makes the point that Jesus is teaching here that the disciples are sharing both in his glory, but also in his suffering. So that there are three conversations that happen here. So Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's saying, okay, yeah, I'm the Messiah, and this is, this is what it's going to take. Um, and then Peter, and then there's a conversation between Peter and Jesus. Like, Peter, at least he's gentle about it. He doesn't like blast him in front of everybody, pulls him aside, like, in this room, like, we could probably still hear the conversation, but still, he, he pulled him aside, and it was like, no, 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 like, this can't, this can't be, like, but, and part of it was, I don't know, why do you think? Love. Love, yeah, fear, um, 
protection, like disillusionment. No, 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 we're, we're, we can't do that. But I don't want you to have to go through this, right? Sometimes temptations come through our loved ones trying to protect us from suffering. Do we take part in that? Do we sometimes do it? And I mean, Peter was well intended here. He was mm. operating from a place of love. But as Jesus points out, he wasn't focused on the things of God. He was looking at it from a human perspective. You are my friend. I've been with you all this time. No, this, there's got to be another way. Like, we'll find a different way. You don't have to do that. We're going we're gonna to protect you. Um, last week, as we were in our first Sunday of Lent, we talked about the different temptations that Jesus endured that are captured in Scripture. Uh, and in one of them, Satan offers him, I can give you all these kingdoms. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Right? And Jesus counters with, you know, but it's written. <laughs> you know, we shall love and worship only God. And Peter, in his way, was doing the same thing. Satan was saying, you can avoid the cross. You can still have these, have these kingdoms that can all be yours. I will give them to you. Um, oh. If you only do this, you can skip the cross. And Peter was suddenly, unwittingly, out of love, participating in the same thing. And Jesus very quickly rebukes him, but not just to him. Like, he needs them all to know. It's like, guys, no, you're called to follow me, not to protect me, not to guide me, not to tell me what to do. We have to follow what the Father, how the Father is guiding us. Um, not what Peter was trying, and that's where, where Jesus um, says, get behind me, Satan, Satan, take it back. It's like, I'm not going to fall for that temptation. It's like, we have to keep our mind on things above, on God, and not the things that we are worried about. And then the third conversation, Jesus, that was the third conversation, <laughs> was the conversation that they had as he's rebuking. So I want to spend a quick second on rebuke. So um, when the, this version uses reprimand, um, ESV, NIV, others use the term rebuke. And it's the same word that's the, that is used here is the same one where Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, where Jesus rebuked the wind and the storm, peace be still. Um, so is that strong of a, of a reprimand? And so it's Peter to Jesus and then Jesus back to Peter, but for the benefit of all of his disciples to hear, it's like we have to keep focused and connected with God on his mission, not the things that we think we want um, or that we would prefer. Right? Suffering's hard stuff. The fourth um, the fourth conversation, Jesus would then crawl, call the larger crowd to him, and he talks about discipleship. So in this first part, he's talking about what it means to be the Messiah, and what's going to happen as the Messiah, the Messiah is going to suffer. And then he corrects, wait a minute, don't shift into protection. Um, into protection mode, we still have to follow where the Father is sending. This is why I came, right? Um, so if we just kind of take a moment to reflect leading up to this point, you know, Peter's actions were motivated by love, right? Um, and he reinforced that their job was not to guide or protect, but to follow him mm. and not become an instrument of the enemy in the process. 
So if we think for a moment, um, you know, are there times where we ignore what we know to be right or true when we're faced with uncertainty or fear? Mm-hmm. Do we find ourselves motivated by love and admiration um, to go a different direction than God may be saying to go? Um, do we want to keep control of everything? Um, I like to have control. Um, but are we willing to loosen our hands off of the wheel, um, the controls, and let Jesus take control? Peter was only seeing part of the picture um, that Jesus was saying to be my disciples. Yeah, we're going to share in these, but there's suffering potentially that comes along too. So in the second part, Jesus draws the crowds in to teach the larger audience. It was the fourth conversation. He said, he calls the crowd to join his disciples and said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. The other versions say, deny yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. So there, the cross in that time was a, you know, it was not, I'm going to, pick up my cross and put it around my neck today. I mean, the cross was an instrument of torture and execution. It was part of the Roman oppression on them. Like, they knew it enough. There were lots of people that were executed um, in that way. Um, and they're saying, take up your cross. They're like, what do you mean by that? Um, so give up give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. What do you benefit? And he goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, and the sake of the good news, you'll save it. Like, what? It's like this little circular, (laughs) circular thing. And then he asks another question. So he asks those two questions. So there's that one. Uh, What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Mm. Right? As he's talking about losing their life, it's not just life as we know it of who they are. Are you willing to give that up? Is anything worth more than the soul? Yes. And I'll come back to that last verse in a minute, but I want to spend some time here on these three things that he is teaching them. And as you look at it, they're like in this, in this paragraph of scripture here, this conversation that he's having with the crowd and his disciples. Um, Along with them, he gives them three commands. He asks those two questions, and then he issues a warning. Okay, cool. All right, let's talk about those three commands. Uh, he says, give up your own way. Deny yourself. Well, what's that look like? Uh, take up your cross and follow me. Satan would love to steer us. The enemy would love to keep us away from self-sacrifice, telling us that we deserve to have whatever we want. We deserve to be... Um, satisfied in the ways that we want to be satisfied, to find joy and peace in the things that we think will bring us peace. Um, But we remember the kingdom has come near. So Jesus invites us into this willingness to deny self. It's like, how do you do that? Like, how do I just give up my way? Well, we can always look to scripture for the answer. Uh, And Jesus shows us, so we're going to, I'm going to Start by going to our Romans passage that Michael read earlier today. 
Uh, clearly, God's promise is to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. So the promise is received by faith. It's a free gift, and we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. So the place that we begin is not from, what can I do in my own power to deny myself things that I want to do the way I want to do it? We can start there, because then we're just trying to pull out something from emptiness. Yeah. We have to start from what we know about God and from his promises and our faith that he will do the things that he says that he will do in his timing, in his way. Not ours, <laughs> but he will. His promises are true, and they're for each one of us. Because um, even when there was no reason for hope, when we sang about it in worship today, those times where we get, we're like, oh, God, I just don't see a way that things can be okay again. Mm -hmm. But we can remember, just remember, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises in verse 20. In fact, his faith grew stronger. In this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Amen. Are you fully convinced? Mm -hmm. Do we know? Like, just repent and believe. Like, turn from your way, turn to him and believe. Like, do we know? Are we fully convinced? When the world tells us everything different, right? This changes everything. Yeah. Abraham's righteousness came through faith, not from always doing the right things. Because if you spend some time in the Old Testament, we can see Abraham tripped up a couple times, and oh, yeah. probably a lot of times. Oh, yeah. But we have some pretty big ones that, that were captured. Abraham and Sarah both. So it's like, it wasn't by doing everything right, or being right all of the time. It was just believing and following a step at a time. So how do we do it? <laughs> how do we do it? How do we deny those desires? Um, we can look to Jesus for the example. I mean, Jesus came. He took on flesh so that we could know him. He would teach us, and he would die for us, that we might know him. And so we can go to his, um, his example that Paul teaches about in Philippians 2. Um, read the whole thing. It's so good up through 18, but I won't. Um, but you can go there. Um, but I'll pull, I'll pull a couple of these things out. Like, so how, what did Jesus do? So Paul is, Paul is saying, you know, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. There are some things that I walk through and I'm judging and I'm feeling harsh and I'm like, stop it. <laughs> um, it's like, um, because that's, if we want to live like Jesus, we talk, Eduardo, let's talk about being Jesus-y, right? Um, it doesn't start from being like a Pharisee, yeah. right? Um, so do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Mm -hmm. Not to be self-condemning, but to put others' needs ahead. You do not look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. He gives us. The mind of Christ, like He can renew our mind with His Word and His mm -hmm. grace. Uh, have this mind, which is yours, um, through Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, fully God, fully human, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. Mm -hmm. He could have said, oh, "I'm not really going to, you know, struggle. I'm just going to walk in, walking God's power all yeah. the time." 
um, he took on flesh, and he felt pain, and he felt betrayal, and he felt suffering, and he felt temptation, and he stayed connected with God through the process. Um, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He loves us that much. Mm. And then Paul goes on to encourage, therefore, my beloved, um, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but in my absence, work out your own salvation. So it's from, a, from the place of salvation in Jesus, from the place of strength in Jesus that he provides, then we can work together mm. with him for his will to do the works that he gives us to do to love the people that he's surrounded us with in our lives and in our workplaces, uh, in our families, um, in our neighborhoods. Um, and sometimes that's really hard. But it's, we're not doing it by ourselves. He works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's his grace. is God working in us to do things that we can't do on our own. Amen. And when we try and do it on our own. It's misery. Yeah. And then Paul goes on to say, do all things without grumbling or disputing. <laughs> I've been known to grumble. Um, and then he goes on to say, hold fast to the word of life. And this is in verse 16 of chapter 2 of Philippians. Hold fast the word of life. Who is the word of life? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the word. And hold on to his scriptures. Like It's hold, hold to him. And he is the one who can help us. And then Jesus goes on to say, you know, follow me. And following Jesus is a moment-by-moment moment decision. Amen. You know, am I going to go my way? Am I going to do what he, I'm feeling the nudge, but I'm going to ignore it. Like, which direction will we go? Um, so I don't know what situation or circumstances that God has placed you in within family challenges, within workplaces, with whatever those things are. <clears throat> what is he guiding us to do? What does this passage encourage us to do? Whoever will save their life will lose it. And again, we talked about life being our soul. We don't want to lose that. Um, we're trying to save the life that we are trying to create. Mm. That we, like, it needs to be this way, like this specific way, um, or this specific thing. What are we trying to create, and where is Jesus in it? He may be perfectly in it and guiding you. But in seasons where that's true, and seasons where it's not, where it's not. What would it mean to live with Jesus at the center of all that we do? Um, a number of years ago, I found, you know, I had this. Fairy tales are so, they, they give us this, per, this perception of life is going to be happily ever after. Whatever our thing is, like whenever we get to that thing, is we live happily ever after. Well, and Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. You are going to face tribulation. <laughs> You're going to find peace in me, not in the world. Like, it's not like we, but we grow up believing yeah, that. Do. Like, okay, once I graduate, or once I get married, or once I do whatever, then it's going to be happily ever after. Life is going to be easy and good, and it's not. And it's not because it's just the way the world is. We live in a broken 
in a broken so world. And so I remember this time where I was just trying to preserve this our happily ever after the way I felt like our family needed to be. And then I'm at the point where I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, withdrawing from my family, seizing control, avoiding conflict, coping. And I was losing the life that I was trying to save. Mm -hmm. We do that. I don't drag you into my mess, but there we get into things in life. We're like, wow, wait a minute. I'm doing all this stuff to try and, but I'm not living mm -mm. the life as the wife, the mom, the daughter, the sister, the friend that I feel led to do. I'm like trying to do all these things. Do we do that? Do you? Of course. All the time. So but it would be Jesus who would draw near, who I finally would be like, I got nothing. I got nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and he restores peace. And he helps to recreate our picture. The picture doesn't look like the goal isn't happily ever after, right? Sorry, it's probably me. <laughs> um, but he would restore peace, and he will restore peace, and he will show us the way. But it doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. Mm -mm. It doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. The peace is inside. Yeah. And he provides it, right? Not in the, did this person do what I wanted them to do the way I wanted them to do it? Not where our peace is. Um, am I in good standing with somebody? Peace can't be there. It just can't. And so, what Jesus is saying is be willing to carry your cross. And for, for some, like there are people who still today die for their faith, mm -hmm. you know, in places around the world. But there are also other things that God puts us in places and situations with people and he brings them into our lives to speak life Amen. and hope and peace Amen. and truth and encouragement in him. Well, we do it. I can get pretty offended. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, we sometimes can do that and then, and, then we, and then we miss the opportunity to live what he's calling us to do in the moment by moment by moment, by moment, and he can create those new pictures. You know, it's like there's situations and people that God has placed in our lives. What does he want us to do with them? And before I finish, I want to address the ashamed. You're ashamed of me. I'll be ashamed of you. Or the son of, son of man will be ashamed of you later. He's talking about rejection. Are you going to reject me? Like, Loving me, following me, means all of it. It's not just the good stuff. It's not just the, I want the peace and the hope and the joy that you're going to give, but I want you to make my life easy. I'm going to reject this part. I'm going to reject with Peter. They're like, we don't want to see you as the suffering servant. We want to see you as the powerful, um, powerful king. And we love you. And I thought being your follower and being on that inner circle mm -hmm. meant it was going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we were going to get a front row seat to his victory, yeah. right? To his coming. And he's talking about suffering. He's like, what? You know? So think about where he has you right now. What are those personal situations that you're in? Are those workplace situations? You're like, God, this is hard. I can't do it. And he's like, I know. I know. You weren't meant to do it. Yeah. Let me do it with you. I'll help you. 
hop under my yoke, those of you that are doing the, the gentle and lowly study, you know, just lie up under my yoke. We'll walk together. this together. I'll give you the words. But we have to be willing to humble ourselves and deny ourselves again, not because I said so, because it's what he did. And it starts in that place. We can't start from empty, but we start grounded in him. We can be gentle with our families. We can be gentle with people around us. doesn't mean that we let people abuse us or walk all over us, but it does mean that we sometimes do the hard things, even when someone isn't necessarily being super kind. Um, so if we're to live and serve and love like Jesus, we can't, we can't perpetuate our self-promoting, our self-protective ways, our over-protective ways of our family. As our older boys were just starting school and they were a private school in Minnesota, and um, one of the, they did these assessments before they would, before the kids came in. This was preschool, like pre-K age. And I remember the, one of the women, say, or the woman who was doing the testing saying, I wasn't quite sure how to score this part because the part where they ask about like what would you do in certain situations so what do you do if you're hungry ask my mom what do you do if it's raining and you want to go outside and so looking like for the umbrella or if you're hungry you get something to eat ask my mom like, this whole series of things and so i was building my son's Dependence on me. Yeah. Wow. It's like. I asked mom. I asked mom. So like, we want to protect, right, those that we love, but we also we want to grow in dependence on God like that, not on yes. our moms or our spouses or our kids to meet our needs, right? But to look to Him and do it from a place of love, clinging. Mm -hmm. But it starts with clinging to his word. Clinging to him as the word and clinging to his word. So over the weekend, a few of us had just a beautiful opportunity to spend 12 or 13 hours um, just immersed in teaching God's word uh, and in worship and prayer and reflection. Uh, just a beautiful, and I can't give you 13 hours worth of, mm -hmm. worth of that, but I do want to share it's 13 minutes. I hope I didn't talk too long. Um, 13 minutes. Uh, and I just want you to <coughs> listen. Because the place where we begin is on growing in our dependence on Him. To be able to humble ourselves. To be able to walk through some of the difficult things that this world brings. There are some things that God will bring into our, into our lives or people and connect. And there's sometimes that we just live in a broken world and things happen and they get really, yeah. really really hard and if we start to get into control and protection all the other things we sometimes get disconnected and start to go a different way so I want you to just hear um, just hear these promises and just let them speak to your heart and then we'll go get the kids and prepare for communion afterwards but we'll pray just Lord just open our hearts and our minds to your truth we thank you for your word we thank you for these passages that sometimes are really challenging. Um, but we know that all of your word is good. Not just the good, not just the easy parts to hear, but like, and Lord, would you just show us what it means and show us how we can live close to you, how we can 
cling to those promises and believe that we believe that we believe and we know that we know that we know mm -hmm. and we're fully convinced that you are good yeah. and that you keep your promises and that your promises are for us. So we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.